Well, good morning and welcome to the uh, first Sunday of Advent here at Marysville Church of the Nazarene. This morning, um, I've had the pleasure of listening to them practice that a few times and um, Emerson came in with me and he came running down the hallway and he goes, Mom, they're actually playing that. That's not the CD. And he was so excited. So if you want the chance to see this live in person, you still have time to make it to our service at 1030 if you want to experience the same uh, joy. So um, the first Sunday of Advent, the um, this theme is hope. And I have a short passage to read to you today from Isaiah 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no ear has heard, no, eye, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. So as we sit in that today, there's a, there's a lot of dark and heavy there, but we look with hope. I love the part where it says that you, you did awesome things that we did not expect. And isn't that what hope is? It's looking for those awesome things. We don't know how, we don't know when, but we are coming with great expectation and anticipation this Advent season. I have just a couple of announcements to share with you. Um, you'll notice on the back table where the kids usually pick up their worship bags, there are some green and red angel cutouts. This is part of Angel Tree. We partner with them every year to provide gifts for kids whose parents are incarcerated. We have a limited number available. I think there's only 14 this morning, so I know that they will go fast. And right now I'm holding on to a three-year-old little boy who loves cars and dinosaurs. So if, somebody, if somebody's desperate and calling for this one, I'm happy to give that one to you. The um, information will be coming out in our weekly update as far as dates and everything. One small change is that we will be wrapping our presents individually this year. In the past, we've asked you to bring them in unwrapped. This year, you will wrap them, and there is a note, like no gum or candy. Those are things that um, we typically leave off of the list. Um, another thing is that on December 13th, Billy Huddleston will be coming to do a Christmas concert. And um, we're hoping to have a good show for him, a good group of people here to celebrate with him. That'll be a very special evening. So if you have friends or people that you think would be interested in a Christmas concert, please pass that along. We will also be doing two Christmas Eve services this year just to allow us to accommodate more people, spread out a little bit more. As you notice, we still do not have the same number of chairs in our sanctuary that we typically do, and we are typically full on Christmas Eve. So we are hoping to provide two opportunities for you to come. It will be two identical services, so you can just choose the time that works best for you and your family. 
in the back of the chairs in front of you, you might notice a connection card. We are, we are working to bring those back. We are realizing in this season, it is so easy to, um, to lose track of people that we haven't seen recently, to miss people moving. I know a, f a few of you that have moved during this time, and we want to make sure we have an updated address for you. If you are wondering how oftentimes everybody else seems to know things going on and you have no idea, it might be because you're not getting our weekly email updates. So we want to make sure we have a current email address for you. And as a small incentive, because we really do, we think this connection is so important. Even for those of you joining us through our live stream, there are ways that we can connect with you. Please feel free to use the chat. We have an online version of our connection card as well. Um, but for every connection card that we get turned in or every form filled out online, we are making a donation to partner with CareTrain for, um, for this Christmas season. So please fill those out. If you have information, if you have prayer requests, things that you want to share with us, please grab one of those cards. And you can either put it in the back where we collect offering, or you can just leave it on your seat, and we will have someone coming through and cleaning them up at the end of the service. All right. Sorry, I know that's a lot to dump on you. Welcome to the Christmas season. It just feels like everything's a little bit more, but I invite you to stand with me. We're going to enter into worship, and let's pray together. Lord, we love you so much. God, we are just so thankful. We're thankful for the chance we had this week, Lord, to pause and reflect on all the things that you've done, who you are to us. And Lord, as we kind of enter this turning season, this time of anticipation, Lord, I pray that you would just draw our hearts in, focus us on you, Lord, like never before. Lord, we are coming to you with great hope, with great expectation. Lord, this season, we have heard it will be unlike any other season before, Lord, and that's exactly what I'm going to pray for this morning. Lord, make this season unlike any season that we've experienced, Lord, because this season, let it draw us closer to you. Lord, let us live each day in the hope and the real realization that you already came, Lord, but that you are here to do so much more. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
is worthy of our praise, isn't he? Let's pray together. Can't get to this fast enough. <laughs> Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light now in the time of this mortal life in which your son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Good to hear you. Um, so for the past several weeks, uh, I think this is week number five, we've been uh, going through this series called Sing. And basically we've been looking at this idea of what are the reasons that we have to sing? Now, obviously, we can't cover all of the reasons that we have to sing, all of the reasons that we have to, to praise God in the course of five weeks. But we're kind of scrunching it in there, and we've been giving these kind of very basic things. And this morning, uh, we're going to wrap up our, our series of sing. We're going to look at one more reason that we have to sing, and that's this. We're going to look at this idea that we have life. We're going to be looking at Psalm 56 in just a minute. Pastor Paul is going to, uh, he's going to come and he's going to kind of go more in depth into, into Psalm 56 and this idea of life. But we're going to focus really hard in the very last verse of this uh, chapter. And it says this, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling that I may walk before God in the light of life. And so we sing because we have life. Right? We sing because God gives us life, but it's not just any old life. Like It's not just, oh, we're living life and we're doing things. It's, it's so much more than that. In fact, Jesus later uh, in the book of John says that he came to give us life and give life abundantly. And so we're, we, we praise God. We sing because we have an abundant life. It's not just an ordinary life. And as a church, we believe that one of the key components, one of the key ways that we experience that, that abundant life is life together, right? Living life together with other people, doing life together with our church family, with, with our, the body of Christ. We do this life together. Now, sure, you can, you can live life like just doing life on your own, right? You can have life just, just being by, you can, you can go through life, you can, you can do the, the, the same old, same old, and you can just kind of do it by yourself. And, and, and you're going to have life. Like, you're going to live, right? But it's not going to be a full life, right? You're going to miss out on things. You're not going to have your full potential unless we live together. It's kind of like, it's kind of like charcoal. I'm going to set my phone down here for a second. I got a bag of charcoal. Mara thought it was not charcoal. She thought it was, well, in a plastic bag. She thought it was cow poop. Okay, it was not cow poop, okay? It's charcoal. <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to embarrass you there, Mark. <laughs> um, I, this is charcoal, okay? I love to grill. Does anybody else love to grill? Okay, I'll, I'll grill all year long if I have the choice. I won't shovel snow to grill, but I'll do about anything else. Uh, and, and here's the thing. I love charcoal grills. I've uh, asked Chelsea, and she'll tell you that I have 
too many grills, and, uh, and, and I just keep getting grills. I like different grills. I like the technology of new grills, but I always love to come back to the charcoal grill. Like, that's my favorite method of grilling is the charcoal grill. But here's the thing. You've got your charcoal briquettes. That's what we call them, briquettes. And I could light one briquette, right? I could, I could light this on fire, and it would, it would do its thing. It would burn, but only for a little bit. I couldn't get the full potential out of this piece of charcoal if I just lit it. I, I really wanted to light these, but I figured that fire code would probably not allow me to do that. And I probably shouldn't burn it on the communion table. That would be bad as well. I could light this one briquette, and it would burn for a little bit. But I couldn't get the full potential out of the life of this briquette. I could actually light a few of them, right? I could light these four briquettes. But if I kept them separated in the grill, it would do the same thing. I would get a little bit of life out of these. They would burn for a little bit. They'd smolder, and then eventually they would burn out, and I wouldn't be getting the full potential. It's not until I take a full stack of briquettes. I love saying that. Say briquettes. It's fun to say. Everybody say it. Briquettes. There we go. I could take the full pile of briquettes, and if I light them and I stick them together where they're, where they're actually touching each other, where they're kind of piled close to each other and touching, it's at that point that I'm going to get the full life, the full potential out of each briquette because the fire feeds off of one another, and they stay close together, and they, and they stay hot, and they burn better, and I'm, going to, I'm not going to waste charcoal. I'm going to get the full potential out of these charcoal. Now, if, if charcoal briquettes had a brain of them own of their own one of them could potentially kind of pull away from the from the rest of the group and and he would eventually burn out but he's not just or she whatever the bri briquette may be he or she is not just going to harm his own his or her own potential but the rest of the potential of the rest of the the briquettes right because they're pulling away and not and everyone's not getting the full potential and that's the way that we do life as Christ followers that's the way that we get this abundant life is we do this together we get to be together in proximity and i know that in this time that looks strange and it looks different and we have to improvise at times and that's okay there's still ways that we can be together but we get our full life potential that God has desired for us when we are together. And so Pastor Paul is going to come and talk to us more about this life together. Thank you, Pastor Josh. I don't know why you don't just um, put those to work and start grilling us something while, while we're waiting for... That'd be okay, right? Who's all in favor of Josh grilling us something and having it after service? If, if you're for that, say aye. 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 All right, Josh, uh, get, that, get that taken care of. Well, we do want to remember Karen Thomas. Karen's in OSU, and she's had a very, very, very rough week. And uh, we're, we're remembering her, and I see uh, Bruce and, and Dolly and, and most of Polly's family. And, uh, and so we're praying for Karen. Just keep her in your, your prayers this week. Uh, hopefully, uh, they'll be able to figure out what's going on, and, and she'll get to come home. And uh, I know I've been praying for her. Good lady, and we hate to see her suffering through this time. Well, we're, we're finishing up our Sing series, and uh, the, the question today is, what does it mean to have life? Uh, what, what does it mean to have life? Now, it's more than breathing. That's a good start, right? You know, look at your neighbor, make sure they're breathing. It's good that you, you can breathe. That's a good start. But, but there's more to life than just breathing. 
I, I think over the last six months, last seven months, man, last eight months, oh my goodness, this has been a long time, hasn't it? Over the last eight months of this COVID-19 crisis, I think there's been a lot of evaluation done of what a good life is, what, what's important, what's not important. I, I know I've done a lot of uh, evaluation over this time period. We, we've lost a lot of connection with other people. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say most of us, there has been far less connection with others over the last eight months than we're typically used to. And, and, and maybe to a certain extent, we've lost some of the business, busyness of life, that, that we're not just busy to be busy. And, and, and maybe there's some good in that, uh, that, that we've learned that you can actually eat at home with your family and the walls will not fall down, right? Uh, but but, but, but there's, there's been a loss as, as we've lost connection even in the church. Um, you know, the, the, the church connection that... Uh, I, I grew up, and, and this may sound weird to some, but I grew up and church was life. Uh, I mean, that was what we did. That was our entertainment. <laughs> Believe it or not, that was our entertainment. But church was all we did. And, and uh, you know, I was one of those, who in here was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, when the church doors were open, you were there, right? Even if you were the only one there, you were there. And uh, so we were kind of like that. And so when we lose connection like this, it's, it's a big part of my life, not just as a pastor, but it's just a big part of my life. And, and so we've lost a little bit of that. And, and you know, how do we gather back and how do we move back to, to better connection? And so there's a lot of evaluation of, of what real life is. I think that's good uh, to a certain extent and that I, I think we should be constantly evaluating and, and deciding what really brings life. And as we work through this series, series and the sermon today, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about life. You know, God gives us reason to celebrate. God gives us reason to sing. Rejoice in the Lord. This is the last time you're going to hear these two verses in this, this year, I promise. Well, I, I, I'm not going to promise. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So Paul is saying what? Let's try that again. Paul is saying, rejoice. rejoice, okay? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So if you're breathing today, you are to praise the, praise the Lord. And so we're, as we're working through this Psalms, what, what we see is God gives us a reason to sing. And, and we're not talking about every reason God gives us to sing. I mean, every time we gather in here, God is giving us a reason to celebrate and sing to him, to respond to him. And in these psalms, life is not perfect. As a matter of fact, in the psalm uh, that, that we read today, life is not perfect. Uh, things aren't going well for David. And yet David has a reason to celebrate, to respond, to sing to God. Um, I have, and, and David's saying this, I have a reason to sing because God gives life even in an imperfect world. And that's a good place to say amen, right? Because we all live in this imperfect world. Um, you know, life has never been perfect. It will never be perfect. If you're waiting until life is perfect to begin to serve or give or praise, guess what? You will never serve, give, or praise. Because life will never be perfect. That's my good news again on this side of life. In this life, there will always be problems. One of the promises Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And so we have reason to sing, we have reason to celebrate, even though we live in an imperfect world. And so Psalm 56, 
and this is for the choir director. I guess I'm the choir director today. Should, should I be doing this while I'm reading this? According to a mictum of David, when the Philistines seized him in Gath. <laughs> uh, we'll stop right there. I'm going to preach my whole sermon on that little, that little verse. I, no, I'm not. I'm really not. Uh, I haven't focused on the prefaces of the psalms. As a matter of fact, some of them I've just skipped over. I haven't focused on the, the musical terms in the psalms. They're, they're fascinating. So, so you'll see the phrase selah, uh, which means, uh, it either means pause or crescendo or interlude or mascal. This is possibly a, a, a contemplative psalm. And Psalm 56 has this word mictum. And the truth is, scholars really don't know what this word means. It's, it's in there, but, but there's all sorts of, of debate on what this term means. Some me thinks it means an epigrammic um, psalm. An epigram is a, a clever or an amusing story. Uh, some think it's, it means atonement or it's an atonement psalm. So, some think it, it means it's been inscribed in gold, and so it's a golden psalm. And so it's, it's one of David's top 40 hits, <laughs> is how some would say that this psalm, this is like the top hit, put this in gold, uh, you know, you need, to, you need to hear this psalm. But, but then we get this description of when the psalm was written. Uh, when the Philistines seized David in Gath. And we'll deal with that later because I believe it's important as we talk about what it means to have life. Verse 1. Be gracious to me, O God, for man has trampled upon me. Fighting all day long, he oppresses me. My foals have trampled upon me all day long, for they are many who fight proudly against me. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid what can mere man do to me? All day long they distort my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They attack. They lurk. They watch my steps. As they have waited to take my life. Because of wickedness, cast them forth. In anger, put down the peoples, O God. You have, not, you have taken into account of my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. Can you say that with me? God is for me. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Your vows are binding upon me, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Indeed, my feet from stumbling, so that I may put, I may walk before God in the light of the living. And God, I put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Your vows are binding upon me, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Indeed, my feet from stumbling, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? Uh, do you guys feel that today? I mean, do you feel, do you feel the depth of what David's saying there in that, that last little bit that we read a couple times? Now, as we go through this, what we're seeing is this. David had reason to sing because God gives life even though his situation was dire. D David was in an awful situation. He was in an awful circumstance. Now, as we trace his story, we see David the shepherd boy. 
Um, I, I kind of get the feeling there was times in David's life that he longed for those days. <laughs> the simplicity of being the shepherd boy, of being out in the fields alone. David was a shepherd boy who's anointed by Samuel. Samuel passes by all of his brothers and he anoints David. And David has an understanding, I believe, that God has a special plan for him. A special vision for his life. He becomes this musician for Saul. And Saul brings him into the inner circle. And the story is kind of strange because he's this musician for Saul. And then when he kills the giant, when he kills Goliath, it's like Saul doesn't know who he is. And, and maybe it's because it's just like, who knows who your servants are? But, but Saul doesn't know who David is. But, but before he kills the giant, he's, he's a musician for Saul. And then he has this great story where, where David, with five stones in his pouch, slays Goliath. He's a hero. He, he, he's like LeBron James. Is that a bad name? He's like, who's the biggest hero in Ohio land? Somebody give me a hero. You guys have no heroes. All right, well, then I'll, I'll just leave it there. He's a hero. Armstrong. Neil Armstrong, first man to the moon, right? He's a hero. He marries Saul's daughter. His, his father-in-law is the king. Okay, that's pretty good, right? His father-in-law is the king. He's a hero. His best friend is Jonathan, Saul's son. He's best friend with the king's son. He's married to the king's daughter. Everybody thinks he's a hero. He's good looking. He can sing, right? Just like me. <laughs> Boy, you guys laugh so easy at that. And Saul begins to mistrust him for no reason. David has done nothing to offend or, or try to take Saul's throne, even though God has given David Saul's throne. And Saul understands that, I believe. But, but David is not acting on that. David is not being unfaithful to Saul. But Saul begins to mistreat him and tries to kill him and begins to pursue him. And so David, far from home, isolated from family and friends, flees to Gath. Say, what's Gath? <laughs> it's a city in Philistine. David flees to Philistine, to, to the country of Goliath. He flees to the enemy of Israel, to, to the people that he had slain. David flees to Philistine. And of course, the king of Gath doesn't trust David. And he's like, this is David. This is the hero of Israel. I don't know what's going on with him and Saul, but he's not been exactly good to us. And so David begins to understand that he's not only is he not safe in Israel, he's not safe in Philistine. And David begins to act crazy. Okay, give me your best crazy act. All right, can you act crazy for me just for a minute? Yeah, he begins to drool. You know, he acts insane. And, 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 and the, the king of Gath says, listen, you know, I don't have time to mess with this crazy guy. And, and so he doesn't harm David 
And it's in this context that David says, In God I put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Your vows are binding upon me, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, indeed my feet from stumbling, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. That's the context. That David's not writing this while he's sitting in Saul's castle. Saul's palace. He's not writing this when he's surrounded by family and friends. David is writing this when he's in Philistine. And he's having to act crazy so that he's not killed. Now, I think there's a lot in David's circumstances we can relate to. You know, David had plans for life. David's like all of us. David had made plans for his life. As a matter of fact, he, he could see the, tr the trajectory of his life, the, the way it was tracking. He, he could see, you know, from shepherd boy to hero to son-in-law of the king, best friends with his, his son, he's, he, he's in, a, in charge, he's in authority. And so he can see where life is going. And then all of a sudden life went... Took this right hand, extreme right hand, left hand turned. And those plans are completely destroyed. You ever been there? You ever have your plans completely destroyed? So I was writing this, I wrote the word, ever have your plans derailed. And I thought about that phrase derailed. You ever see the carnage a derailed train causes, right? You know, a derailed train, you know, one car messes up. One, one, one thing goes wrong on that train. And it's just, depending on the size of the train and the speed of the train, those other cars aren't stopping. And life just keeps going on. And the destruction is everywhere. And, and the truth is that oftentimes in our life, it may be one little thing that goes wrong and it derails everything else. We lose a job. We get sick. We lose a relationship. Someone important dies. And the next thing we know, we look behind us, and all there is is destruction. See, I think David was in one of those moments when he wrote this. He's isolated from family and friends. And you can read the story in 1 Samuel. He, he flees from Saul. He, he eats some consecrated bread in the tabernacle. He takes Goliath's sword, which is really big, so I just kind of imagine him dragging it behind him in case he needs it. You know, it's huge. And, and, and he flees, and he goes to Gath alone. Just David. You know, I think we can all relate to that isolation. Uh, it cannot become, it cannot become, it is not the new norm. I, I hear that every once in a while, that there's this new norm and it's separation. Can I tell you, we're not made like that and we cannot survive without community. This is a season and this season will end <laughs> you, you know in, in I think it was 1918 the Spanish flu um, 
I, I believe it was Calvin Coolidge that ran for president uh, immediately after the, the Spanish flu, and you had World War I, you had all the deaths with the Spanish flu, and you had quarantines and all these things that people had to do. You know what his, his campaign was? A return to normalcy. <laughs> I think we're at a time, and I think we're close. I think we see light at the end of the tunnel where we're going to return to some level of normalcy. And what we've been doing may have been necessary, but it is not the new normal, and it is not the best way to live. We need other people. And David's lived in this isolation, separation. So when this began... And maybe it's just me. Maybe you guys are just completely happy in this. I, and when this began, I, I put a base, basement office together. Have this nice desk, all my bookshelves. And, and, and so, you know, I, I've done a few Zoom things where, you know, there's all these books behind me. In front of me is just the carnage of my basement, right? So, so you know, it's, it's nice. I've got, you know, I've got screens set up. There's TV. I've got all my, my weights are down there. My treadmill's down there. My punching bag's down there. So if I get really irritated, I go just hit the bag. As a matter of fact, every time I walk by it, I hit it one time. And, you know, just for, you got to do that. Can I tell you, I'm so sick of my basement. I, I, I hate to go down there anymore. And, you know, I need to because, I, you know, I need, need to work. And so, you know, I, and I'm introverted. And so I can't imagine you extroverts out there must be climbing the walls. Can I get an amen, Terry Moore? We can all relate to it. And hopefully we're past shutdowns. But we don't know. What we determined as a staff, can, can I just be real vulnerable and open with you that you know the kind of conversations we've had with staff, what, what, what we've determined as a staff, and, and I'll take the blame, the buck stops here. I mean, I'm senior pastor, I'm lead pastor, and it's my fault. We were woefully unprepared for this level of disconnection. We were not ready for COVID-19. We, we were not ready for relying on live stream. Staff, can you give me an amen? We weren't ready for it. And when it happened, there, there, were no, there were no things set up that we could naturally fall back on. And I can tell you as your pastor, my goal is if it ever happens again, we won't be in a similar circumstance. What's it saying? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You know, if this ever happens again, shame on our church if we are not prepared to handle it in a way in which we connect more easily. So, what do we do? We begin making connections now. You know, I, I understand there's still restrictions, but some of these restrictions are a little bit less. You know, we can begin to make connections now. And, and I would suggest one step at a time. One cup of coffee with someone else. Yeah. Next right step. Well, one phone call. One meal with another family. Well, one game night with another family. 
making connections that you can build upon if for some reason something happens and we have to live stream a service and instead of you watching it in your living room alone, one family joins you as you watch a live stream. It's not ideal, we like to gather in here, but, but we need to make those connections and I believe those connections as we build upon them will be positive in all aspects of our church. You know, what follows David's crazy act in 1 Samuel 21 is 1 Samuel 22, 1 and 2. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave at Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. Everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt... <laughs> That, that's who David gathered. He said, oh, thank you. All the people that need money come to me. And everyone who was discontented gathered to him. And he became captain over, captain over them. And there was about 400 men with them. Uh, 400 men and wives and children as well. So what's God do? How, how does God provide life? God provides David with community. That is the context of this passage. It's not just that God lifted David's spirit, but he gathered people around David and gave him community. Now, we could trace the biblical story, and it's the story over and over and over again. That, that the way God gives life is not just, he gives it through his spirit, but he gives it through community. It's how God gives life. So, so in perfect creation, Adam is created. And God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And all the women said, amen, right? But you didn't. Well, none of the women said amen. It's not good for man to be alone. And in, in perfect creation, it was not good. The one thing in creation that was not good, everything else was perfect, was solidarity. And so God created Eve. God created woman. Because community makes life better. Abram travels in community. He, he travels first with Lot and then with Sarah and his servants. And God's promises to him center on community provided by family. God is saying, I will bless you by taking you from just you and Sarah to many. That, that I will bless you through community. Moses is given Aaron, who sometimes gives him trouble, and Joshua. Elijah is given Elisha. Jesus gathers the disciples as a traveling community. And then he sends them out, not alone, but in pairs. Over and over again in the story, we see this community bringing life. In Acts, it's the gathered community in which the Holy Spirit falls. In Acts, it's the community of the church that spreads out and continues the call until you get to Revelation 21. 
the, 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 the culmination of the whole story. And we have this new heaven and new earth and new Jerusalem, a new community coming down from heaven with God in their center. You realize that's the point of this. The, the point of this is not just God and me. The point of it is God and us. That God is trying to create God-centered communities. And that's why last week we talked about forgiveness. That's why this connection with God with forgiveness is, is, is interrelated with our ability to forgive others because God is interested in being part of community and us being part of community. We are better together because we find life in Christ-centered community. What we sing because God offers life in community. What life beyond fear Life with direction, life with thanksgiving, life full of light, life full of hope. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And Jesus is thinking of that in the context of community. And this word abundantly, it's in full abundance, an oversufficient supply. It's the first Sunday of Advent. And next week we'll begin a series called Wait for it, and we'll, we'll, we'll be more geared into the Advent mind. But, but it's important to see that Jesus came to give us life together. So the question is, are you seeking connection with others? Are you seeking connection with others? Because God's connection with us is related with our connection with others. That, that somehow, and I don't understand all this, but somehow when we gather in this place, God is in the center. And the most important thing that happens here in, in my Wesleyan understanding, the most important thing that happens is we have gathered as the community of faith, the community of believers, with, with the recognition of Christ in the center is not, not how well we sing or not how well I preach or not how, how cool the prayer is or anything else. But the most important presence here is the transforming presence of Christ who is part of the gathered community. And it's in the presence of this, trans, uh, of this Christ that we are transformed. See, my words don't transform. Amy's songs don't transform. Jesus transforms, and he comes to us in community. So are you, are you seeking connection other, with others? You know, it's a perfect time to build connection with others. I thought about this as I was, I was writing these notes. You realize even Scrooge got invited to a Christmas party, right? <laughs> So if there's ever been a time you could connect with people, it's now. If you ever wanted to connect, you know, we'd love you to see. If you ever wanted to connect with your neighbors and you've had trouble doing it, this is the time because this is the season you can make cookies and take them next door and nobody will think you're weird, right? This is the season. This is the time 
that you can connect with others like no other. We've got respond, a way to respond through Angel Tree. And, and Mara, did, did people take cards? They're on the back. Okay, their cards are on the back. We only, we only have how many, 14 or 13 or 14 of them? So take them quick. You know, give, do something. And, and if there's no cards back there, there's other ways you can give during the season. There's other ministries, and we would be happy to help you find a place to give. I believe it's important that you give something this season to someone other than just people you know and love, right? Does it, am I on the right page there? I think it's vitally important that you find some way to give to someone else in this season. More I talked about the connection cards and and, and maybe you could write on the connection card, maybe you'd like to meet with one of the staff members. We would love we would love to sit down and talk with you and talk about ways that you can connect more effectively to the church body. You know, we, we don't have all the answers, but we believe in conversation together that we could find some ways that we could connect even better. So I'd encourage you, write on the card. If you want to meet with me or Josh or Amy or Mara or anybody else, uh, we will meet with you. We'll, we'll take the time to, to do the hard work of making sure that we are all connected together. We don't want anyone that, that's hearing my words to feel left behind or not considered. Now, this is respond time and all heads bowed, all eyes closed. I went a little longer than normal. Sorry about that. Uh, why don't you talk to God just for a minute, then I'll close this in prayer. Lord, we're thankful that you give us life even in an imperfect world. None of our lives are perfect. All of us have issues and problems that we have to deal with. Lord, as I, I think about just that, the, the phrase, I, I think it's about celebrate recovery and, and the phrase they would use, hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Everyone in this room has hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we're working through. I pray, Lord, that we will find life in the midst of these hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And Lord, may we not ignore the primary means of life that you give a Christ-centered community. That, that somehow in this place, Lord, you move in a special way. But not just in this place, but in small groups and Sunday school classes, in groups that serve together, in prayer groups. Lord, I, I believe that when we gather for coffee and we acknowledge that you're in the center, when it's just two of us, we encounter your transforming grace. So I pray, Lord, that we will seek out each other, that we will do the heavy lifting of relationship so that we won't be caught unawares next time we have something like this. Lord, I'm thankful that you've been at work even in the midst of, of, of this crisis, and I, and I believe, Lord, that, that we're turning a corner. But Lord, help us to, to stay diligently focused on you, Help us to love one another, to care for one another. Help us, Lord, just to be the body. 
Let hope live in your heart and share the hope of Christ with all you meet. Share hope by noticing someone else's humanity. Share hope by listening to someone else's story. Share hope by praying for our world. In this Advent season, we need to see, feel, and share hope. As you go into the wonder of God's creation, share hope with those you meet. Amen. You are dismissed.